Hi, this is Alex from Run River North, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Hello, car fanatics in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States, and around the world. It's time for the most famous words in motorsport. Here to give the command to start the show today is Speedway Sounds F1 analyst and UCI mechanical engineering student, Tristan Cortez. Drivers, start your engines. This week on Speedway Sounds, this weekend is the Formula One Grand Prix of the United States. Speedway Sounds F1 analyst and UCI mechanical engineering student Tristan Cortez joins me to give a grand preview of the race. Will the Scuderia Ferrari horses prance across the Texas desert and make a comeback, or will Lewis Hamilton tame the Wild West? Before, but before that, I'll give you this week's hashtag Anteaters and Racing updates on UCI student Samantha Tan's races at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca and Matt McMurray's final race of his season in Portugal. All that and more this week on Speedway Sounds. Hello, everyone. Good morning and happy Thursday. I'm your host, Noah Stein. And just sitting across from me, welcome to the studio, Tristan Cortez. Great to be back on here, Noah. All right, let's start with some updates before today's Grand Preview. I need to update you, my listeners, on the interview I keep saying is coming with international GT racing star and Petit Le Mans winner Connor Filippi. We had scheduled an interview for this week, but factors outside of our control forced the interview to be postponed to the future. We're both looking forward to making it happen for you all, and when we set the day for it, both Connor and I will ask for your questions as well. On Sunday, he, his teammates Christopher Hassa and Christopher Mees, and his team Audi Sport Team Land started from pole in the GT3 class and dominated most of the inaugural Intercontinental GT Challenge California 8 Hours at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca in Monterey, California. In the first hour of the race, their Audi R8 LMS, driven by teammate Christopher Mees, made slight contact with the number 11 Belgian Audi Club Team R WRT R8 in a battle for the lead, which sent the number 11 into the gravel trap off of turn 10. This left land number 29 with a slight amount of damage, allowing the number 44 Magnus Racing Audi R8 to catch and pass them with just 20 minutes remaining. So Team Land finished second. The winners were Magnus Racing in GT3, Black Swan Racing Porsche in GT3 Pro-Am, and Reardon Racing Porsche in GT4. Magnus Racing accomplished 314 laps and 702 miles in the first ever eight-hour race at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. Now it's time for the hashtag Anteaters and Racing update. This past weekend, UC Irvine student Samantha Tan competed in the season finale races of the Pirelli World Challenge Touring Car Class with her BMW 235iR. The final two rounds were Saturday at the Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, just before the California 8 Hours. It was a day of gaining experience as she qualified 21st for race number one in the morning. Through consistency, she was able to gain places as cars ahead of her pushed the limits and got stuck in gravel traps. On the track, she finished 17th in that first race, but was promoted to 15th after the disqualification of two cars, including her teammate Nick Whitmer. More on that in a second. In the afternoon season finale, she started and finished 20th. Both of her races scored points for her team, six in the first and one in the second, that were helpful in keeping second place in the team championship for her team, ST Racing. Her teammate Nick Whitmer was in contention for the Touring Car Drivers' Championship at the start of the weekend, 
only a handful of points behind first place Paul Holton. At the checkered flag of race one, things were looking relatively good for Nick Whitmer, even though he finished second behind winner Paul Holton. But later in the morning, he was disqualified for his car breaking the minimum weight regulation. This eliminated all hopes for the title, and he would have to charge to the front from the last starting position if he wanted to preserve his second place in the standings. He was able to climb all the way to six at the end of the 40-minute race. However, this was only enough for third in the Drivers' Championship as Greg Leofuge had a great weekend and finished the season in second in points. Samantha's and Nick's manufacturer, BMW, however, won the Touring Car Manufacturers' Championship. While Samantha's racing season is now over, fellow UCI student Matt McMurray has one more race this Sunday at the Algarve International Circuit in the European Le Mans Series. Last week, his team Algarve Pro Racing increased their presence on social media and joined Twitter. You can follow them at AP Racing Team. Unfortunately, their bad luck has continued on to this race. If you remember from my conversation with Matt and you, Tristan, we talked about teammate Andrea Rota's rollover crash at the last race at Spa. This week, Algarve Pro Racing announced that Rota would not be medically eligible to drive this weekend after it was diagnosed that he had fractured his foot in the crash. Therefore, only Matt and teammate Andrea Pizzatola will be competing this weekend. While having only two drivers isn't a big problem in a four-hour race, the circuit is quite bumpy and could enhance the exhaustion if it's going to be warm. The race will start at 1 p.m. in Portugal and 5 a.m. Pacific this Sunday, and I'll have live hashtag anteaters and racing coverage on Twitter at Speedway Sounds. One quick quote from the Algarve Pro team. This being the team's home race and the season finale, it would be pretty special to achieve what we've always been capable of, a podium or victory, before jetting off to the Far East for the start of the Asian Le Mans series. We have the speed, there's no doubt about that, but we need a clean race, free of misfortune. We deserve a break. They certainly do. And that, uh, and that quote comes from Stuart Cox, the team principal of Algarve Pro Racing. And that's it for this week's Hashtag Anderson Racing Update. And now let's preview the United States Grand Prix with Tristan Cortez. How are you doing, Tristan? Doing great. All um, right. So first, tell us about the last race a couple weeks ago at the Japanese Grand Prix. Yeah, so a quick recap of the Japanese Grand Prix. Unfortunately, more problems for Scuderia Ferrari and Sebastian Vettel. As at the beginning of the first lap, he dropped four positions and immediately knew there was a problem with the car. It was diagnosed that he had spark plug failure, something you'd think would be kind of trivial, but ended up ending his race and further damaged his title hopes. And then even worse was that Hamilton won the race, which put him now 59 points down in the driver's standings heading into the U.S. And some other occurrences that happened was that Carlos Sainz crashed out in his last race for Toro Rosso. And if you're confused by that statement, I'll go into that later. And then Nico Hulkenberg of Renault retired with a DRS issue where his DRS flap um, was maintained open. So he couldn't get around the corners because he had no downforce essentially mm -hmm. on the car. And then uh, Max Verstappen had a bit of a late charge on Hamilton, you know, trying to get maybe his second win in the row after winning in Malaysia. But unfortunately, he just came a bit short, so he finished second. And then Donnie Ricciardo completed a podium in third, and then Kimi Raikkonen charged from P10 to P5. So some positives for the Scuderia at Japan. Mm -hmm. But before we preview the United States Grand Prix this weekend, I'd like to take you all on a little history lesson about the United States Grand Prix and Formula One racing, or just formula one races in the u.s so it all started in 1959 when russian-born alec olman who also staged the first 12 hours of sebring in 1952 decided to stage an f1 race in 1959 for the very first united states grand prix 
And that was the final race of the 59 season. And it was a pretty historic one as Bruce McLaren took his first F1 win for Cooper and became, at the time, the youngest driver ever to win a Grand Prix. Then from there, Ullman moved the race to Riverside International Raceway in 1960, where Sterling Moss won from pole position in his Lotus. Riverside International Raceway was an old speedway in just about an hour and a half east of here and about half hour south of my hometown, Apple Valley. I wish it was still around. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll see uh, another U.S. race, you know, with Liberty Media Mm -hmm. wanting to grow Formula One in the U.S. So um, we'll keep tuned to that. And then after that, uh, racing promoter Cameron Artsinger, owner of the Watkins Glen Grand Prix race course, offered his track to run the Grand Prix and was successful. And the USGP was held there from 1961 until 1981, so 20 years, which has the longest hosting record of any American F1 race. However, from 1976 to 1983, there was also the United States Grand Prix West, which was Mm -hmm. held at the Long Beach Street Circuit course that we all know and love. Before IndyCar. Yeah, which ran in the same seasons as the official USGP in Watkins Glen. So there was two U.S. races in those seasons. And then uh, a little bit of an odd one, you had the Caesars Palace Grand Prix in 1981 and 1982 which were both final races of the season and both championship deciders as Nelson Piquet won the 81 World Drivers Championship there after Carlos Reitman although he started from pole dropped to P8 and Piquet finished fifth and took the world title for Brabham and then Kiki Rosberg father of reigning world champion Nico Rosberg won the 1982 World Drivers Championship for Williams that year And then you had the Detroit Grand Prix from 1982 to 1988, which took place in the center of the city, so metropolitan area. And then you had a one-off Dallas Grand Prix in 1984. And then the USGP moved to Phoenix in 1989 and lasted until 1991. Some notable races there was uh, 1989, which was Prost's only win in the U.S. And then the memorable 1990 Grand Prix where John Lacey, driving for Tyrrell, did his brilliant defense of Ayrton Senna and the McLaren Honda for a couple of laps. Senna eventually got past and won the race, but Lacey finished second in the Tyrrell. And then 2000, there wouldn't be another Formula One race until 2000 after 1991. So, and it saw the return of the USGP at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the road course, and will be held there until 2007. Some notable races there was the 2002 race where Schumacher and Barrichello controversially switched places at the finish line and then you had the 2005 michelin tire disaster that dun 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 yeah that was very big blow to f1 in the states so only six cars competed that race that ran bridgestone tires it was the two ferraris the two jordans and the two minorities and then in may 2010 austin texas was awarded the race on a 10-year contract and they agreed to the deal in 2012 and they would be held on the purpose-built track, Circuit of the Americas. So 2012 was an inaugural race, and Lewis Hamilton has four wins of the five races that have held in Coda in 2012, 2014, 2015, and 2016, where Vettel has one win there in 2013. Hope you all enjoyed that brief history of F1 racing in the United States, and you know, hopefully we get another F1 race. I hope Long Beach maybe, but we'll see. It's great research. Thank you so much for bringing that here. So moving on to some young driver news. So Charles Leclerc, racing for Prima in Formula 2 and part of the Ferrari Young Driver program, clinched the title at the penultimate round in Jerez 
by taking his sixth win of the season. So the last set to Formula One, Formula Two, Charles Leclerc being the title in his first season, pretty impressive there. And then you have Mercedes young driver George Russell who wrapped up the GP3 series title with ART and Jerez as well by finishing second and fourth in the weekend's races. And then McLaren young driver Lando Norris clinched the FIA F3 European Championship with Carlin at the final round in Hockenheim. So three young drivers from three different young driver academies showing their skills and taking titles. Okay, now on to the preview of the USGP. So one of the big stories that shocked F1 Paddock on the Saturday of the Japanese Grand Prix was that Carlos Sainz, I mentioned that he crashed on his last race for Toro Rosso officially. So Carlos Sainz signed for Renault. And it was thought that he'd take over at the beginning of next year. But it, it was revealed that he'd be replacing Julian Palmer at Renault from the re- remainder, for the remainder of the season from the USGP onwards. And it was it was a surprise because considering the fact that Palmer had a contract till the end of the season, to see the season through, it was quite a big surprise. So Sainz is getting his early chance in the Renault, get familiar with the team and the car. And uh, I think... Watching him and Hulkenberg go at it for the last few races of the season will be really exciting to watch. And then some news still concerning Toro Rosso was, was after the Japanese Grand Prix, it wasn't certain who would fill the second Toro Rosso seat at the USGP because Pierre Gasly, who competes in Super Formula, has to stay in Japan to compete for the mm-hmm. the title in Super Formula at the last race in Suzuka. So Kvyat will return for the US, but with Signs leaving to Renault, Toro Rosso kind of needed to scramble to find a driver for the second car. Mm-hmm. And it was debated whether Sebastian Buemi, who was a former driver for Toro Rosso, or Brennan Hartley, the Porsche LMP1 WC driver, who also is coming off a win at Petit Le Mans in the ESM Nissan, would get the drive. And then it was confirmed this Tuesday that Hartley would get the seat. So a little bit of a overview on Brennan Hartley. So he was a former Red Bull and Toro Rosso test and reserve driver but he was dropped from the Red Bull Young Driver Program in 2010. But he didn't give up on his racing aspirations just yet and shifted to sports car racing where he, in ELMS where he shined. And then he caught, he caught the eye of Porsche, who signed him in 2014 as they returned to the LMP1 class in WC. And then he became world, champions, world champion with Porsche in 2015, along with Timo Bernhard, and then won this year's Le Mans 24 Hours. He admitted he never gave up on reaching F1 and that, you know, throughout this sports car racing and competing with Porsche and the WC, he's grown a lot since that time as a driver. And, yeah, he will be making his F1 debut at the USGP. And he will be the ninth New Zealander to race in F1 and will be the first since Mike Thackle in 1984. And his car number will be 39. So 39, yeah. okay. Keep a lookout for that. And then heading on to the... To the teams, I think Mercedes will likely be strong at Coda because, you know, uh, you got it's pretty power sensitive and that Mercedes power unit always kind of has mm-hmm. an extra level above the rest. And Hamilton can actually clinch the title if he wins. Really? And Vettel finishes outside the top five. So if really? that happens, wow. Hamilton can clinch the title. Gosh, it's, it's gotten um, that. The lead's gotten that yeah, large, so right? If, Let's see. If Ferrari want to mount a challenge, they either have to win or come second but um the red bulls could also get into into the mix you know you never know uh, the thing is with the red bull the red bull chassis wise is pretty good 
but that Renault power unit seems to be lacking that pace, mm. especially in qualifying. Also, the American team, Haas, their home race. And the um, shirt you're wearing right now, by the way. Yeah, I'm wearing my Haas F1 shirt right now. Yeah, so should be a lot of support for them there. Uh, Gene Haas will be there as well. And then there's also October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so they're looking to push that at the Grand Prix. And actually, the Ultrasoft tires, the purple Ultrasoft, will actually be pink. Oh, how cool is that? Time. Wow. So, yeah, to kind of raise awareness, because that's probably going to be the dominant tire used. Mm-hmm. So Ultra, uh, Ultrasoft, Supersoft, and Soft Compound this weekend? Yes. And yeah, that's a preview for the USGP. Very, very cool. Very cool. So yeah, that's a that's great. I'm really looking forward to the race. NBC does a lot of coverage with it this weekend because it's the home race for the United States fans. So they're gonna have practice one live on television. They're gonna have practice three live on television, which they don't usually do. Uh, qualifying live, and then like an hour post qualifying show, and then like a pre a pre race show, live race and post race all on NBC. It's it's a big effort that they put in to try to get as many viewers as possible for Formula One in the United States. On that same note, it was announced earlier last week that NBC had lost the contract for Formula One at the end of the season, which I just, like, personally in my heart just broke a little bit because NBC has one of the best commentator teams in, in motorsports, in my opinion, with, uh, with Lee Diffie, with David Hobbs, and Steve Matchett all commentating the race from a studio. And they're actually going to be, they're probably going to be there live at the USGP this year. But yeah, they lost a contract to ESPN. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I feel the same as you. You know, it's kind of sad to see NBCSN lose that contract um, to cover F1. Um, I guess uh, ESPN taking taking it over is kind of maybe a way to get more F- American F1 fans because they're f- more familiar with ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess. Um, it's in, yeah, it's in more but homes. The, but, but the problem is they're they're going to just relay the international broadcast. So no so American. So they're not going to have their own commentary team. At least I haven't heard anything about that. They're just going to relay the um, international broadcast, which is with David Croft and Martin Brundle from Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Lee Diffie announced that he was staying with NBC Sport to commentate on other sports, probably including IndyCar along the way. But Steve Matchett and Will Buxton doesn't oh, know where he's going to be. Buxton. Will Buxton is the interviewer, one of the greatest interviewers yeah. in motorsport. He's he great. doesn't know where he's going to be next year. It's amazing. We're talking about a silly season for commentators. It's super sad that we're talking about that. But that's in, in the strategy move. I, I've also heard that like ESPN wants a shorter term contract than a shorter term contract that NBC was willing to do, and that's another reason why Formula One, with the new leadership that we talked about earlier this year, they're looking at a different way of broadcasting, a different way of streaming their content on the internet. NBC streams their content through their Live Extra app, but I think F1 said that they wanted more rights over that, and they weren't willing to let NBC have those rights to do over-the-internet broadcasting. I think F1, there's there's talk about F1 having to, or wanting to create their own app or streaming package. Like, the WEC has their own streaming package where you, you pay a certain a price, you, you can watch all the races including the 24 Hours of Le Mans, on the internet instead of on television, which is great for people who don't have those channels. Right, yeah. Yeah, I've heard about, you know, talk of a streaming service for F1. But uh, if you look at this season, I think F1, in terms of, like, social media presence, has made, like, a huge step from the 
the many years that Bernie was there. I mean, you can go on YouTube and they upload like race highlights a couple hours out of the race. That was that's like a couple of years ago that would have been like mind blowing because mm-hmm. and especially for American fans, it's kinda hard to tune into some of the races since they're at kind of ridiculous hours middle of, of the, the night morning or ja- japan was japan was nine p- on the pacific uh, for us on the west coast here japan was 9 p.m saturday night that japan actually wasn't too bad okay, compared yeah. to some of the Euro- like European australia races. australia is like midnight and yeah 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 over the summer i'd get up like at five in the morning to watch the the european races or like three mm-hmm. to watch qualifying so japan wasn't too bad and then, but now that we're coming stateside, the times the times are a little bit better, which is always nice. Until we get to Abu Dhabi, then it's gonna be kind of return to the slog. But uh, yeah, I think F1 is on the right track with Liberty Media, and they've shown so much promise, you know, in just their first year. So you know, they got a long time to establish the brand and the direction that Formula One is gonna take. And then in a couple of years' time, you have those new regulation changes. They're going to come in the 2021 season, mm-hmm. which is kind of a big thing, t- too, in the direction of Formula One. You know, there's kind of this question of does Formula One have to be, you know, g- green in a sense? Because, you know, the 2014 hybrid formula was created to attract more manufacturers because it'd be more re- road relevant. But that didn't really pan out as, you know, Honda was the only manufacturer that joined because how complex these power units are and the amount of money that you need to invest to develop it is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the why manufacturers were turned off by that, which is kind of counterintuitive because they kind of complained that, you know, the V8 kind of outdated. So F1 was like, okay, so we'll introduce this hybrid formula, but it was ended up being too expensive. And, so, in, and in the context of the U- United States Grand Prix, there are no American engine manufacturers. We have American Constructor now in Haas, but we don't have an engine manufacturer like Chevrolet. I don't know who you... I think... I'm trying to think of a brand that used to be in Formula One that was Ford, American. Ford, Ford used to be, used yeah. To be really big um, engine supplier. They supplied a lot of the smaller teams. Mm-hmm. They also supplied Stewart, the Stewart GP team. And then they also supplied McLaren for one year. So, Yeah. But ever since Ford left F1, there hasn't really been any American engine supplier. But yeah, with those 2021 regulations, just kind of this question of, because with the rise of Formula E, you know, does F1 need to be green if you have Formula mm-hmm. E kind of covering that side? So yeah, definitely. So uh, it's we'll see what Liberty Media and FIA see with that. But uh, Liberty Media is also looking to to get another F1 race in the U.S which I think will be pretty awesome to see. Yeah, definitely great thoughts. Uh, great thoughts for the future. I'm long going to be a long time to wait to see what happens, but definitely some direction changes for F1 coming with Liberty Media. We're about to wrap up our show here. Real quick, you got 15 seconds. Who's your pick to win the United States Grand Prix? I think Lewis Hamilton's going to win the United States Grand Prix. I just think he's coming. You know, he's won the last four or five races. He's just really strong right now. I don't see any problems happening for him. Hopefully, Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari can mount a challenge, but I think Hamilton will win. All right, I've got a wild card. I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas wins. Hamilton has a problem. Valtteri Bottas is the fast Mercedes on the day. 
Uh, all right, that's it for this week on Speedway Sounds. Follow the show at Speedway Sounds, all one word on both Facebook and Twitter, for show previews and your opportunity to ask my guests a question. Also, you're welcome to use the hashtag AnteatersInRacing whenever we're talking about motorsport here on the UCI campus. And you can also use it this Sunday during Twitter coverage of Matt McMurray and his team, Algarve Pro Racing. Coming up next to begin the later morning's music programming is Sounds of Rich Mahogany with DJ Lilsdo here on KUCI. I'm Noah Stein, and thank you so much for listening to me talk about my lifelong passion this morning. And thank you, Tristan, for coming on the show to talk about Formula One and the United States Grand Prix. That was great. I enjoyed it a lot. I hope you'll always wear a helmet and never ever drive distracted or under the influence. And please always wear your seatbelt. You're listening to Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Have an awesome day. This is Ralph from Watch for Horses. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.